to the All People's Church Sunday podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Executive Pastor Kendall Laughlin. For more messages and resources, head to allpeopleschurch.org or download our free All People's app. All right, good morning. How you doing? Well, I'm Kendall. As the video said, Pastor Robert is still in Indonesia with one of our teams there, and we are going to have a great morning as we continue our Can You Hear Me Now series. I'd like to start with a story. I'll never forget my first time at a church like this one. I, I had been raised in the church, but it was a more formal, liturgical church, and um, you know, it, it just had a very different culture and vibe, and so when I walked into this church when I was a freshman in college, it was just kind of a, a sensory overload, to be honest, trying to figure out what was going on in worship. You know, the, the band was good, but they played for like kind of a long time, longer than I was used to. And I remember people lying down prostrate in the aisles, like, you know, giving their lives to God. People were up at the front. People were dancing. There seemed to be a lot of different protocols on how people used their hands in worship, and I really didn't understand it. So I remember just gripping the seat back in front of me, you know, during that worship set, a lot like if you were on a plane that was experiencing turbulence, just like, okay, like, hope we land this thing. And then a pastor got on and he, he spoke a message. And honestly, it was just so powerful. You know, I'd heard the Bible taught before, but never in such a, like a relevant way. And, you know, something was burning and going on in my heart while he was speaking. And there was also these great thoughts for life application, which is something I really wasn't used to. And so I was really receiving from it. And then the pastor ended and he, and he prayed. And then he said, so if anyone wants to come forward and respond to this and get prayer, like now's your opportunity. And then a bunch of people stood at the front to pray for people. And, you know, I'd seen the Lord's Prayer in a church before. And, uh, you know, we baptized infants at the front of our church. But there was never this, this response time, right, where people were coming to the front. And I, I figured I didn't need that. So I went out to the lobby to hang out wait for my friend. And in the lobby, I started talking to another young man. I was a freshman in college. He's probably a junior or senior, kind of older, just normal looking, cool guy. And we started talking. And, you know, after we got to know each other, he said, hey, I'm so glad I bumped into you. Because actually during the service, I felt like God was highlighting you to me that I needed to pray for you. And I thought, well, this is interesting. And so he, he shared a scriptural encouragement with me and then prayed for me. And you know, there were about 600 people in that service, and it was amazing. You know, it wasn't like he just read my mail. It was like he read my journal. <laughs> like he, it was like the secrets of my heart. It's like God knew what was going on with me, and he was speaking right to my situation. I was, I was pretty floored, and I had a very similar experience the second time I went to that church, and and then eventually I had a friend that had the guts to invite me to a life group. And so I ended up at a life group and I had a very similar experience. People were praying for each other and encouraging them. I was like, wow, this is, a, this is a place where God is really speaking to people. And, you know, what I experienced in those first few months at Antioch Community Church was a culture, an atmosphere, an environment where, you know, average, ordinary people, they were, they were equipped and they were empowered to hear from God and encourage others. And that's the kind of thing we're trying to create at this church. We're trying to create a network. What's a network? A network is an interconnected web of people or systems for a distinct purpose. We're trying to create a network of people that are empowered to hear God, 
you know, our, our church purpose statement is transforming lives to bless San Diego, planting churches to transform nations. And in order for us to have an impact in this city, we're going to need to have a network of people, right, that are hearing from the Lord, encouraging other people, and really stepping out in that. I think a network is a great symbol. It's a great metaphor for a church today. You're probably familiar with a few networks in our society this week, I had some children that had strep throat, and I had happens to pastors too, I know. And so I had to take them to the N-network provider, right? Our health care is governed by networks. You've noticed a network that's been growing around our city. You've seen them, these little yellow bikes. Has anyone actually ridden one of these bikes? I did it. I did ride it just for one minute, just because I wanted to be able to say that I did. But yeah, they're everywhere, right? I mean, I've seen them on my block in La Mesa. Someone had one out front of here one time. Another person spray painted. There's blue and, you know, they had, they had it. But you see them all over town. And, you know, bike sharing has been, along for, been around for a long time, but it's just taking off because someone invested the money to build a network. There's another network you might be familiar with. Your cell phone network, right? We've got AT&T. T-Mobile, Cricket, you know, there's all these different networks that are out there. And what's interesting about cell phones these days is all the networks have the same phones, right? There's not like a special phone that's bound to one network. And so all they can really sell is the strength of their network. And the ads are always about, okay, you're never going to be out of service. You're going to be able to do what you want and stream YouTube from anywhere in the world. And, you know, that's the big promise that they have for you. And we have these people you may have seen advertising the networks. We have this guy. There he is. We know him. And this person. Same guy, two different networks. This guy's laughing all the way to the bank, I'll tell you. Okay, all right, let's keep going. Those glasses probably aren't even real. So here's this guy. He's my favorite. He drops the mic in front of the big Verizon sign. Okay, keep going. This lady, right, she's selling the AT&T network. So they're always trying to sell us, connect us to a network. Networks a web of relationships, an interconnected group of people or things. And I think, again, it's a great metaphor for the church because as a church, we have this amazing opportunity to build a network in our community to help other people hear from God, to help other people hear encouragement from God. And let me just clarify what's at stake if we don't do this. There's a great example from the life of Jesus, John chapter 12. And here's the context Jesus is preaching, and he's, he's talking to a crowd, and he kind of gets a little worked up and emotional, and he starts kind of sharing some personal things about his death and his crucifixion. Then he starts praying, and then God actually speaks audibly from heaven. And maybe you've thought before, man, if God would just speak to me audibly from heaven, you know, I would totally respond, right? Well, this is a situation where that happens, so let's see what, what happened in the lives of the people. John 12. Jesus, okay, now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. So he's praying, he's processing, he's dealing with this thought that he's going to die. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd that was there and heard it said, and, and heard it said that it had thundered. Others said an angel spoken to him. Jesus said, This voice was for your benefit, not mine. Super interesting. So Jesus speaks from heaven, and then there's this crowd. The crowd doesn't even hear it. 
right? They're, they're of a more materialistic, a more, you know, rational mindset. They're, they're just, oh, what an interesting coincidence. Jesus was speaking and it thundered. That's, that's what they think. Okay, there's another group of people, more spiritual people. They hear something. Oh, what an interesting observation. Jesus was speaking and an angel spoke, right? They're not connecting it to God and the heart of the Father. Remember, mystical, spiritual type person. But then Jesus says, this voice is for you, your benefit, not mine. Obviously, Jesus and his disciples knew it was the Father speaking. So the only group of people in this story that was able to translate what God was saying to the community were God's people. You know, as believers, that is the amazing opportunity we have. We have the opportunity to connect people to God's network, to allow them to hear the voice of God for themselves for the first time, to speak encouragement, to speak hope into their lives. And so just like your phone has a 3G or a 4G or an LTE network, God has a network, and we're going to look at God's network today. We're going to use this outline, LTE, okay? So I want to speak to you from the subject today, connecting to God's network, prophecy in the church today, and we're going to use this little mnemonic, this acronym, LTE, as we look at it, and we're going to be looking into the life of Samuel again in the Old Testament. Let's pray really quick as we just hop into Samuel's life. Father, we do invite you into this service, and just pray that you would speak again, fresh way. Lord, we say our hearts are yours, and we're just asking, Lord, for specific words from you for people here. And God, please stir our hearts. And give us that eyes to see and ears to hear the Bible's promises. Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. So we have Samuel. Last week, I spoke a message on the beginning of Samuel's ministry. It was called Tuning into God's Frequency. And one thing I want to point out is that this series really builds on itself. So if you missed last week and you're interested, you'll want to go back and listen, because that's the sermon that gives the context for, okay, this is how God speaks, and this is how God confirms it in the scripture, and this is how this plays out in the life of the everyday believer. And today we're going to be talking about it more in a community, in a church context. So as we look at Samuel's life, there's a few characters to review. First is Samuel. Samuel is the Old Testament prophet. Okay, he was also a judge. He had some political power at the time as well. Okay, so Samuel's the person we're studying. And then there's Saul. Right? Saul is the current king over Israel. And he's actually under judgment from God because he disobeyed. And then there's David. David is the future king of Israel who Saul desires to kill because of jealousy. And so we have these three characters, Saul, David, and Samuel, and we're going to see how their story plays out in 1 Samuel chapter 19, which is an example of Samuel's prophetic ministry. Verse 18, when David had fled and made his escape, he went to Samuel at Ramah and told them all that Saul had done to him. Then he and Samuel went to Naoth and stayed there, so he sent men to capture him. But when they saw a group of prophets prophesying, with Samuel standing as their leader, the Spirit of God came on Saul's men, and they also prophesied. Saul was told about it, and he sent more men, and they prophesied too. Saul sent men a third time, and they also prophesied. Finally, he himself left for Ramah. So Saul went to Naoth at Ramah. But the Spirit of God came even on him, and he walked along prophesying until he came to Naoth. He stripped off his garments, and he too prophesied in Samuel's presence. He laid naked all that day and all that night. This is why people say, is Saul also among the prophets. What a weird story. Um, so here we have an example, like we talked about last week, of a location where there was like a strong frequency, where people were coming in and hearing God's voice. Samuel was this leader, and he created this atmosphere. So even people with evil intentions, 
they were coming in and they were receiving from the Lord. So let's look at this passage. We're going to look at some New Testament passages as well so we can understand how God speaks to us in the church today as inspired by the life of Samuel. We're going to use this acronym LTE. So here's the L, learning. Look at your neighbor, say learning. I love how this passage today ends with a question. Is Saul also amongst the prophets? You might have that question too if you had seen this scenario. Questions create an environment for learning. Do they not? Right? That's how we learn. Any of you have little kids, you know, kids are always learning and they're always asking questions, right? So they're always learning, asking questions. And if we really want to learn about prophecy, not in the Old Testament, but also in the New, we should look at some passages here because 1 Corinthians 12 to 14, this is kind of the, the premier passage in the Bible that talks about spiritual gifts and prophecy, which we're going to define in a minute. So let's start in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. Some translations say, I do not want you to be ignorant. This is a really interesting passage. So Paul and the Lord through Paul is writing to the church and saying, hey, don't be ignorant. Don't be uninformed about spiritual gifts. What are spiritual gifts? Those are those special abilities that God gives believers for the strengthening of the church and the transformation of society. Things like healing. Another spiritual gift would be hospitality. Robert talked about that a few weeks ago. So there's a lot of different gifts that God gives us to minister to others. That's the spiritual gifts. And the Barna Group, which is a group that surveys churches, they went through millennials in the church today, and they tried to figure out, okay, what what do millennials, what do they believe about the spiritual gifts? So I thought this was interesting. 20% of responses to this survey, people said the spiritual gifts are not in the Bible. Okay. So they haven't read 1 Corinthians. All right. No big deal. All right. 28, 28% said, yeah, the spiritual gifts are in the Bible, but I don't have one. So those people just need a little confidence, a little encouragement. I think they'll get there eventually. 15% of Christians believe in spiritual gifts, but they didn't know theirs. And if you add all that up, it adds up to 63%. So Paul says, hey, don't be ignorant about spiritual gifts. But what we see, the majority of people, potentially up to 63% of Christians are ignorant. Now, if the spiritual gifts are given to us for the strengthening of the church, for the furthering of the kingdom of God, don't you think this might be one of the ploys of the enemy? Right? I mean, we have to be learners, And so here's a few basics about prophecy, as the Bible defines it, that I would want you to know in areas that you can learn. So I have a little slide behind me, some basic biblical thoughts on prophecy. Number one, the gift of prophecy is described as one of the gifts of the Spirit, 1 Corinthians 12. We just talked about that. Number two, all believers are encouraged to desire to prophesy. All believers. You know, it's the only spiritual gift It says, everybody who is a follower of Jesus should want to do this. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. Isn't that interesting? Wonder why that is. Well, we're going to see that, I think, in the next point, which is defining prophecy. We're going to see why it's so important. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 3. But the one who prophesies speaks to the people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. Strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. I mean, that sounds like a lot like God, doesn't it? What is God 
want out of us. He wants relationship, right? He wants us to draw near to him. He wants to encourage us and comfort us and strengthen us. And that's why I think this, this spiritual gift of prophecy is so important to God. I define prophecy this way, speaking to other people on God's behalf with the intent of strengthening, encouraging, or comforting them. Speaking to other people on God's behalf with the, strength, with the intention of strengthening, encouraging, or comforting them. We want to be learners. I'll share a story from my life. My wife and I were leading an overseas trip, and we had heard about this thought that when you are on mission with God, you should pray and ask God to show you people to look for. And so we thought, well, we'll, we'll show our team how to do this. We had never really done it, but we, we'll kind of learn together. And so in the morning in a team meeting, we all got some paper and we sat down. We worshiped a song and invited the Lord to come. And then what we did was we wrote down different things God was putting on our heart for the rest of the day. So I wrote down about eight or nine things, but there was one word that just came into my mind, like like right when we started praying. And it was the word motif, M-O-T-I-T-H, motif or motif. And so I didn't really know what to do with it, but I wrote down stuff in my pocket. Didn't have much other direction or plans for that day. So I went with my friend Nick to the cell phone store. So I'm at the cell phone store, and, you know, we're just talking with the guys that work there. And so I said, hey, uh, well, I'm here. So I pull out this sheet of paper. And I'm like, hey, is there a, a motif or you sell a phone, name a motif, or I don't know. Like, you know, what does this word mean? And the guy's like, oh, motif. I'm like, yeah. What's that? <laughs> and he goes, oh, he works here. I'm like, great. Where is he? He's on the roof smoking a cigarette. Awesome. So we go to the roof, and Motif is up there smoking a cigarette, taking a smoke break. We start talking. The conversation gets spiritual. He accepts Jesus. God touches his life. Follow up with him. I start discipling. I met with him several times. Had dinner at his home with his wife. This is what his wife said. I accepted Jesus three years ago. I've been praying for him every day that someone would come to him and tell him about Jesus Christ. Wow. You know, that never would have happened if we weren't, weren't willing to learn, right? About the other eight or nine things on that page, you know, I don't really know what happened with those. None of them really have jogged my memory as I've thought about that story, but I know Motith is thankful <laughs> that somebody stepped out in faith. So we have Samuel, an Old Testament prophet. I'm sharing some New Testament verses. So this is a good time to, as a discipleship moment to describe what's the difference between Old Testament and New Testament prophecy. Because there's a real difference as we see it doctrinally in the Bible. So Samuel is an Old Testament prophet, right? And you might be aware of this, but there is some scripture in the Old Testament that talks about false prophecy. So if someone's giving a prophecy and they make a mistake or they say the wrong thing or what they say doesn't come true, the, the Bible says they should actually be taken outside the city and, and killed. They throw stones at them. They would stone them and kill them. And so it's a really tall order <laughs> for Old Testament prophets. You're kind of like, wow. And so sometimes people read that and they see the church today and they're trying to make sense of it. I'm so glad we don't do that at this church. So, so why is that? Like, like, what do we do in the New Testament? Well, I'm glad you asked. The, the difference comes down to how God works with people. It's really clear in this story of Samuel and Saul. So look at Saul's henchmen right? They're going to kill David. They show up at Samuel's camp. And then what happens? They fall over and they start prophesying. Okay. Saul, same thing happens. He ends up losing his clothes. Okay. He starts prophesying too. So in the old Testament, 
This is one example. There's many examples. The Holy Spirit would come over and upon people. He would physically possess people if they were to be God's mouthpiece. The reason is because people did not have regenerated hearts. The Holy Spirit did not live inside of them, right? The Bible has so many promises about the new covenant, what would happen after Jesus came and died for us and made the sacrifice for us once and for all so we didn't have to go to a temple and make sacrifices. And it talks about in the new covenant, I'll give you a heart of flesh rather than a heart of stone. Or it says, I'll write your law on my hearts. And so today, the Holy Spirit lives in our hearts. He dwells in us and within us and inside of us. But in the old covenant, he didn't. He would take over people because they were not able to house his presence. And so if there was ever a false prophecy given in the Old Testament, there were only two reasons why. The first one was the person was making it up. So the Holy Spirit really wasn't taking them over. They were just giving a prophecy for personal gain. The other reason is they were possessed by an evil spirit. And so that is why the Hebrews were instructed to take those people out of the camp and remove them from the community. So now we have the New Testament, okay? The new covenant. Jesus came to die so we could have a relationship with God and the Holy Spirit would come and live inside of us. In the new covenant, the Holy Spirit lives in our hearts. So what happens is God speaks to us through our life experiences and our distinct personality, right? You've probably experienced this. You read this in the four gospels, four different accounts of the life of Jesus. Four different accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Little slight variations as you look at the accounts. What's that all about? They're all from the Lord, but God was speaking through the personalities and the unique experiences of those four authors. Does that make sense? Yeah, so let's look for a minute here because what we see in 1 Corinthians 14 is actually a good example of how prophecy is to happen in the church today. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 29. Two or three prophets should speak, and the others should wait carefully what is said. And if a revelation comes as someone who's sitting down, the first speaker should stop. For you can all prophesy in turn, so everyone will be instructed and encouraged. The spirits of prophets are subject to the control of prophets. For God is not a God of disorder, but a God of peace, as in all the congregations of the Lord's people. So again, now God has written his law on our hearts. The Holy Spirit lives inside of us. So in the New Testament, the word of the Lord is not received by direct download. It is perceived through our hearts, right? Like there's another passage that says the word of God comes to separate between soul and spirit. So God brings us through a discipleship process of understanding what in our hearts is of him and what is not, right? Okay, you felt that sorting through in your life. And so now we have this passage in 1 Corinthians 14. Two or three should speak and others should weigh carefully what it said. So it's assumed that's what's going to be said in the name of prophecy is going to be weighed carefully. It's going to be tested, right? And it's going to be tested not necessarily by the outcome, but, but right then, because what we see in the New Testament is God didn't just take over one person. He rested in the whole community, right? If you're following Jesus, the same Holy Spirit that lives in me lives in you. And so we're all able to discern together what God might be saying. It's also commanded to be done in order and with self-control, right? Unlike Saul, who's naked on the ground. Are you tracking with me? Okay, so there's some differences here between the Old and the New Testament. And in this church, we empower people to hear from the Lord, 
and step out in that, we also test things. We test them according to the scripture, by their fruit. We walk in healthy relationship with people who are doing ministry. And that's an important balance that we have to handle in the church today. So learning, okay, that's the L point that we're on, learning. Okay, here's the T, transformation. Let's say transformation. Great. So again, let's look at Saul, the interesting transformation he had when he experienced prophetic ministry. He stripped off his garments, and he too prophesied in Samuel's presence. He lay naked all that night and all that day. And this is why people say, is Saul amongst the prophets? I know I'm camping out in such a weird verse, but it's a great, it's a great example. And it's symbolic. He wasn't just physically naked. Spiritually, this is prophetic of God using the law to reveal his brokenness. In the Old Covenant, God would use the law to reveal sin, right? Ten Commandments, for example. And that was actually the purpose of the law, the Hebrew law, was to reveal sin and prepare the way for a Savior. You tracking with me? So what we have, interestingly, in the New Testament is a very similar example with a very different outcome. So prophecy comes, someone's sin is dealt with, but the response isn't exposure, it's transformation. 1 Corinthians 14. If an unbeliever or an inquirer comes in while everyone is prophesying, they're convicted of sin and brought under judgment by all, as the secrets of their heart are laid bare. So they will fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God is really among you. Both laid bare, both falling down, but one person experienced a transformation. One person turned their life back to God. That's because grace was available for them in their time of need. You know, uh, a story comes to mind. Uh, there was a college student in our church, and she was engaged pretty, pretty loosely in the fall in some discipleship and small groups, and she kind of left the church for a season and said, you know what? I'm at San Diego State. These are my college years. I'm just going to cut loose. I'm just going to party. And so she totally, 100% hopped into that lifestyle, all of that 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 entails. And she kind of fell off the radar of our college ministry for a bit. And then because she had some loose connections with the church, she heard we were having a conference. She ended up somehow, I don't really understand the story, at World Mandate West on Friday night. So um, I don't know whether she was tricked to get there or what happened. But anyway, she found herself at World Mandate West. And it was interesting. The morning of World Mandate West, I just had this thing going on in my heart where I just felt like God was going to be restoring lost callings. And I was really just kind of praying about that and I was asking God for a sign. And, you know, immediately I just had the thought of a lost cell phone. There's going to be someone who had lost a cell phone. And that day at World Mandate West, they would have found it. And it was representative of them coming back into their calling. And so at World Mandate West, I got up that Friday night and I shared that word. And this young lady responded. She had lost her cell phone at a party and had found it that morning. And, you know, God was calling her and... I love what happened because transformation happened in her life. She's one of our interns right now in Bali, Indonesia. So, yeah, was sin dealt with? Absolutely. But there was hope and a calling attached to the word from God. Amen? Yeah, so that's how God draws us. Another, another story, I have a friend that was really skeptical about prophecy. And he was in our school of transformation. And uh, one of our favorite speakers is Joe Ewan, who comes in from Scotland. And he... he talks about prophecy. And it's known that he'll pray for each student and encourage them. And so my friend was preparing for Joe's visit. And he, he, he looked down that day and he realized he had a shirt with the word strength on it. And he said, oh, they're just going to look at that 
word on my shirt and just tell me I'm a strong man of God. There's going to make something up. And so he's dealing with some skepticism. So he, he takes a hoodie and zips it all the way up and comes to class. And then the next thing he says is at class, he's praying, God, I don't want to go first and I don't want to go last. So there's about 65 people in the class. He said, because at first, you know, he's not going to be warmed up, right? He's just going to kind of like be saying stuff. And at, at the last people, he's like totally out of anointing, right? So you got to be right in the middle. Like that's the good spot. Okay. So, so he gets to class and Joe's praying for somebody over here. And then he looks at my friend that's all the way across the, the room. And so he, he walks, second person in the 65-person class, walks all the way over and starts praying for my friend. My friend's like, great, you know, not warmed up. I'm going to get some general blessing, you know what I mean? And, and so they start praying, and uh, Joe's wife, Yvonne, was with them, and they're in their 60s, 70s, and they're praying together, and, and she takes one look at his hoodie. Now, there were several people in hoodies that night, but she takes one look at his hoodie and says, what are you hiding behind there? God wants to take that off you. And they unzip that, and the word strength is written on his shirt. You're hiding your strength. You're called to be a strong man of God. I mean, God had his number, right? I mean, Wow. And after that time, God's been giving him words for other people. He's had a dream where he feels like God was directing him. So amazing. Was he dealing with some unbelief, some doubt, some skepticism? Sure. But did, was he just pointing, hey, you're dealing with unbelief, you know? No. God spoke to him and brought him into a journey, right? That's how God works in our lives today with prophecy. He brings transformation. The goal of prophecy is not to wow people give people a stage platform. It's to demonstrate the love and the grace of God and invite people into a journey of walking with Jesus. Okay, so this the easiest way to practice is in our life groups, right? On a Sunday morning, only so many people can share. There's only so much time and space, but in our life groups, we gather, we pray, we hear from the scriptures, and then we pray for one another. And you know, we always just say, be humble about it. If we're going to be learners, like, let's be humble. Let's say, I think God is saying, or I believe God is saying, right? Or God might be revealing to me. Let's not say, thus saith the Lord, right? The reason people said that in the Bible is because they were writing the Bible. You're not writing the Bible, so don't say that, okay? We also say, hey, you know, try to stay away from controversial topics like marriage and birth and, you know, don't rebuke people with prophecy. That's for discipleship or friendship, right? And so, you know, we try to put safeguards on this so we can all grow and be transformed together, right? Okay, so finally, LTE. So the tone of prophecy, this is the E, is to be encouragement. This is how God speaks to us today, encouragement. And I love that word encouragement because some people hear that and they just hear emotional inspiration. That's actually not what I'm saying. Encourage means to put courage into someone. So God speaks into our lives from a place of strength in order to move us forward in our callings in the kingdom of God. Yeah, 1 Corinthians 14, 3. The one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. We see this actually a lot, even in Samuel's ministry, although it's in the Old Testament. He encourages David, right? He speaks into David's life. He basically adopts David and kind of teaches him and trains him and speaks into his heart, speaks into his life, and he kind of mentors him from afar. Um, so many people, their main experience with prophecy is seeing a Christian on TV saying, hey, God is judging this country because of this or that thing, and that's why this or that thing happened, right? That's not the tone of New Testament prophecy today, right? We're called to encourage, to bring hope, and to lift people up. Yeah, I think of Think of this church, you know, just back to the idea of a network, an LTE network. I think of our church. I think of those yellow bikes, you know, you see all over town. I think 
how do they spread out? Well, it's a network. And, you know, I think of our church being a network of encouragement, of bringing encouragement and hope to people wherever they're at. I have a map here. It's not of a Wi-Fi network. It's not of a cell phone network. It's actually our church network. This is a map of our church membership. So when you look at this, I mean, do we have some opportunities to connect people to God's network people? We have some opportunities to speak hope and life and rescue people who are in bondage. This one story from one of our life groups my friends Brian and Jenny had been hosting a young adult life group at their house. And, uh, of course, they'd been parking all over the block. And so they felt that the Lord prompted them to bring cookies to their neighbors and thank them for, you know, just taking over the block one night a week. Not a very spiritual thing, but they felt that like God was in it. So they go to their neighbor's um, house, knock on the door. They hear some shuffling around inside. And then, you know, eventually the guy comes to the door and you kind of disheveled man. And he hands them, if I'm getting the story right, I think a landline phone. And he, he takes the landline, and the guy looks at my friend Brian, and he says, it's for you. <laughs> okay, so you kind of have to know Brian. Stuff like this happens to him all the time. But Brian, Brian takes the phone, puts it to his ear, like, hello? And this is the voice that he heard when he put the phone to his ear. This is the Veterans Suicide Prevention Hotline. The person that you're looking at right now just called us saying they were going to take their life. Can you help them? Wow. We have such an opportunity to connect people to the voice of God, to the voice of the Father. I mean, for some people, their lives depend on it, to be quite honest. For other people, they just need encouragement. They need hope. They need a breakthrough, whatever they need. But I think this is the network that God is building in this church, right? A a place where we can grow and be equipped and hear the voice of God, and we can help our community and help our city here at 2. Amen? Let's stand up.